0: Well, let me first get this out of the way, is that we just got a new puppy, German shepherd, so Pastor Darrell, I must confess, my dog really (laughs) ate my homework last night. (laughs) The question I want to ask you is, where were you when the world stopped turning that September day? That was a song that Alan Jackson, the country singer, had written shortly after the attacks of 9-11, that he said that he was inspired by God in the middle of the night, went down his pajamas, put pen to paper, and that song came out, and it was a great song of healing for so many people. The attacks of 9-11 are one of those events that you really think, where were you when that happened? That's what I hear people, a generation before me, saying about the assassination of President Kennedy. For me, I remember uh, the space shuttle, the Challenger explosion. That Those landmark events where you wonder, where were you when that happened? But the question we need to be asking ourselves is not, where were we when that happened, but what did you do when that happened on September 11th? Alan Jackson goes on in his song, got most of it still. He goes on in his song to, to list some of the things that people did in the aftermath of that. Did you feel guilty because you're a survivor? In a crowded room, did you feel alone? Did you call up your mother and tell her you love her? Did you dust off that Bible at home? Did you open your eyes and hope it never happened? Close your eyes and not go to sleep. Did you notice the sunset for the first time in ages? Speak with some stranger on the street. Did you lay down at night and think of tomorrow, go out and buy you a gun? Did you turn off that violent old movie you're watching and turn on I Love Lucy reruns? Did you go to a church, hold hands with some stranger, stand in line and give your own blood? Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family? Thank God you had somebody to love. Did you burst out in pride for the red, white, and blue? The heroes who died just doing what they do. The heroes that day that I want to reflect on are the 403 police officers and firefighters that were killed in New York City on 9-11. They died just doing what they do. So what is it that first responders, police officers, firefighters, what is it that they do? I know when I was sworn in as a police officer 14 years ago, what I was told when I got the job is, Mark, you need to be prepared because your job is when everybody else is running out, you need to be running in. And I think nothing illustrated that more clearly than on September 11th. And you see the footage of people running from the towers, jumping from the towers. And yet there's also footage of police officers, firefighters, ordinary people running towards it, giving up their lives to save those of others. Coach Mike Ditka, I remember when I was a kid playing football, a quote that he had That stuck with me is courage is not the absence of fear, but it's being afraid and going anyway. So, are police officers, firefighters, are they superheroes? No. I have many fears in my life. I don't like watching scary movies. I don't like haunted houses. There's things I don't like, but there's a bigger cause. And when I put this uniform on, I understand that. When I put this badge on, I understand the risk I take every single day. The potential for bad things to happen. But I'm responding to a higher calling. So today, we reflect on the police officers and firefighters that died that day. And we remember their sacrifice. Another thing that we learn in our training as police officers it's not unique to police, but I know it's ingrained in us every time we have any kind of training, is our response is one of two things. It's either fight or flight. Are we going to stay in there, be on the aggressive, fight the bad guys, or are we going to flee, or are we going to run away? Well, for us, there's really no option. We are called to stay and fight. So the question Where were you that day? What did you do that day? But I think what we need to ask ourselves is what will you do when your world stops turning? Bad things happen. A lot of bad things have been happening over the last several years since the attacks. People losing their jobs. People just in all kinds of financial hardship losing their homes, filing bankruptcy. Maybe just getting unappreciated at work, getting constantly looked over for a promotion, not being appreciated for what you bring because you don't want to blow your own horn. Maybe it's in your own marriage. You think, well, my marriage isn't what it used to be. Something is gone. Our marriage isn't like our neighbor's marriage. Maybe there's that going on. Kids, maybe you're rejected at school because of what you believe, or because of what you listen to, what you wear, because your morals are different than those of the kids around you. That rejection is hard to take. Maybe you're a victim of abuse and it's not your fault. Every day, our lives in some form stop turning. What do you do? Is your response going to be that of fight, or is it going to be flight? We as believers are not called to flee. We need to fight. Think of God, the creator. Put us together. Wired us up. Made us in his own image. He's our manufacturer put us together, and has our best interests in mind. What does he have to say about this matter? There's a few scriptures that I want to turn to quickly. Philippians. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your request to God. love this part. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One leads to the other. Pray leads to peace. So when things are getting hard, we are called to pray and to not be anxious. Philippians three thirteen and fourteen. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, and straining towards what is ahead, press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We are called to forget and move on. It doesn't mean we don't learn lessons, that doesn't mean we don't take it to heart and have it spur us on. But the past is just that it's the past. We are called to go forward to fight that fight. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus speaking here says, Come to me, all you all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come. Jesus tells us to come. So here's the only out you have when it comes to fleeing. If you're going to flee, flee to Jesus. Think of Rocky going back into the corner, Mickey patching him up, putting all the gauze on his face, doing all that. Then that bell rings. Get back out there. Jesus wants to do that to you. He wants to patch you up. He wants to make you better. But he's not going to protect you from harm. He's not going to protect you from anything bad happening. We are strangers in a strange land. We are aliens. This is not our home. We don't fit in. So it's just going to be a fight. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. Lean on Him and not yourself. That's what we are called to do. The final verse I'm going to look at is 1 Corinthians 16, 13. This is a verse that I use when we have our devotional time before the kids' first day of school and we lay hands on our kids and we send them out. This is a verse that we use for them Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Wow. There's a whole false sermon series right there. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. There's nothing in there about running away. The third day song says, cry out to Jesus. It's not going to be easy. Times are hard. I'm not minimizing what's going to come against you. But God created us. God wired us up. He knows what's best for us, and he's called us to these things. Now, men, I'd like to specifically talk to you for a minute. I've been blessed now to have an opportunity within the church to be more involved in leadership of the men's ministry. So, men... We need to be on our guard. We need to stand firm in our faith. We need to be men of courage, and we need to be strong. But then there's verse 14. Do everything in love. So it's not this big rah-rah thing. Men, let's just go out there and take the world. We have to do it under the umbrella of love. That verse, I love it because in the New American Standard... Instead of saying, be men of courage, it says, act like men. So there's an underlying assumption there that if you're a man, your call is to be courageous. Guys, wouldn't it be great if we went into our workplaces, we went into our schools, we went into our wives, our kids, and we acted like men that God wants us to be. Women, wouldn't that be great? So guys, that's our calling. And we're going to take some different directions now with men's ministry. And event we, an event we have coming up is this movie, coincidentally, called Courageous. It's about four police officers' lives. And you can go online. You can look at the trailer. We're going to be promoting it more as the weeks come on. Uh, but it comes out at the end of this month. And we are organizing an outing to the AMC theaters at Randhurst. a ticket, and it's going to be Sunday, October 2nd, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. After that, we're going to come back here, we're going to have pizza, and we're going to talk about the movie. It's a Christian movie that's from the creators of Fireproof, from Facing the Giants. So the message is definitely going to be clear. So guys, let's not just do it for ourselves. Let's get some other guys in here and show them what it means to be a true man. All right, one last thing to men. John Eldridge and Wild at Heart. This whole idea of fight or flight. Walk into those situations you normally run from. Speak right to the issues you normally remain silent over. If you want to grow in true masculine strength, then stop sabotaging yours. Men, women, kids, everyone, we are called to fight. Not, not for flight, but we are called to fight. So the chorus of Where Were You ends with this. I know Jesus and I talk to God and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope and love are some good things he gave us and the greatest is love. I know me personally I'm proud to be a police officer I'm proud to be a Bechtold but most importantly I am proud to know Jesus Christ as my best friend. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mark. Appreciate Officer Bechtold sharing with us this morning, and um, I just want to say that uh, I am proud of him, and I also... I think he wears the uniform with pride, he represents our city well, and he and all of the other men and women that wear the uniform represent our church well. And so I want to honor those first responders in our church this morning, can we, with a round of applause, that they, they protect us, they serve us. Thank you. They represent us well from our congregation, and uh, I'm going to ask you to take out your Bibles, your sermon notes, and I want to spend some time in God's Word before we spend some time in prayer, and that's going to be the focus for the remainder of our service, the the Lord's Word and a time of prayer, and uh, there are going to be verses on the screen, but I'm also going to just be kind of reciting some verses from memory, and so I'd like you to write them down so that you can meditate on them this week. A lot has changed since uh, September 11th. Ten years ago, in one day, life was good. But it's funny to think that I can tell you and you can tell me exactly where you were at this moment in time ten years ago. Unless you're very young in our crowd today, you, you know where you were when you heard and where i was was i was at a pastor's breakfast early in the morning with my dad and pastor fred we were talking about the transition that was about to take place between my dad being senior pastor and 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 me and we were talking and dialoguing about those things jack hayford was about to come speak at our church and we were having a big college event it was a it was a great great time in in the history of our church and so we were planning and preparing. It was an exciting breakfast early in the morning, and we went out to our car right as the first plane hit, and we heard the news on the radio, and so we got back to church and thought, that's a horrible accident that happened. Had a TV in my office, turned on the TV. It was not much longer that the second plane hit, and uh, basically glued to the TV, whether at church at home, the rest of the day. And in the midst of the chaos, I realized at that moment that I would pastor in a very different world than Dad, and that everything was about to change. It wasn't long after I had the privilege of traveling to New York and teaching our extension school just outside of Manhattan, and and the the classroom was full. And I love the students from New York because they're just tough. You know, when I walk in the classroom, how you doing, Doctor Merrill? How you doing? You know that, kind of, and I, I loved it, and we had a great time, and I just I. We just talked about their impact and their memories, and, and not one person in that classroom wasn't touched by the disaster, whether it be personally in their family or friends, or they were supposed to be there that day, or they had a first responder that they knew or, again, was a part of their family, and they told these stories with tears. And, and I, I just I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And what was interesting to note that in that class, just a few months after over half the people taking that class had given their lives to Jesus after 9-11. They said it was the wake-up call that I needed. And I got my life right with God. Before 9-11, the statistics tell us that 31% Of New Yorkers went to church. People who lived in New York City went to church. 31% today. Ten years later, even though the churches were full right after, but ten years later, 46% of New Yorkers attend church. And while there's been some good results, there's been a lot of things that uh, haven't been so positive. And there's one word that kind of tells us all we need to know about the mood of our nation in our lives since September 11th. And it's a word that still is a part of our life today, and it's a word we live with, and the word is fear. If there was one word that describes the mood of our nation, it's fear. And it grips, and it seems everything is driven by fear. It disables us, it keeps us from where we should be, and everything is driven by that fear. Whether it be economics and and money and our banking system and our jobs, we're afraid or our our families or, or our politics is full of fear and even our personal lives. And if I approach my life in this attitude of fear, I will never live the life God planned for me. I will never do what he's called me to do. As, as Officer Bechtel, we'd, be, we'd be running away from everything in life if I lived by that fear. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the full. In the NIV, abundantly in the King James, rich and satisfying in the New Living Translation. I've come that you might have this abundant life, but when we live in fear, we will never ever experience what God has for us. Because so often we, we get driven by fear, and, and so I, I, I'm so afraid that I'm, I'm going to lose my job, or I'm so afraid my kids aren't going to turn out all right, or I'm so afraid my marriage won't last. I'm so afraid I can't pay the bills, and I, 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 just, I don't know if I'm going to do well in school. And, and, and all these fears begin to grip our hearts, and when we let them grip our hearts, we will never experience life the way God intended us to experience it. I was at a White Sox game uh, a few weeks ago, and, and uh, don't cheer because it was a horrible game. <laughs> PV gave up six runs in the first inning, so it was going to be a long game. And I was there with uh, two friends that I, I haven't seen these guys in over 30 years. Now I'm not that old. So 30 years ago is a long time. These are guys I went to grade school with. We got reconnected through Facebook, found out we're all Sox fans. We all love the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of them is planning a church in the city of Chicago. And so we we reconnected on Facebook. Hey, let's go to a game together. We got to the game, barely recognized each other, but we we got to the game. We started talking and reminiscing, and we talked about grade school and the fun that we had and how awesome it was. And I look back, and it's like, God, you've really blessed me in my life. I've had a good life. We took Luke to high school this week. First, I know I'm too young to have a high schooler, I know, but, but we have a son in high school now, and I took him to high school, and I remember the high school days, and man, that was good. Man, God has blessed me in so many ways, and, and as I, I think about the past and those good times as we reminisce, there's a sadness that comes over me, and let me tell you why. It's because when I was a little boy going to grade school or even a young man going to high school, I often went in fear. I was afraid. I was afraid of this. I was afraid of that. And I, and I let fear grip my life. And I never experienced it the way I should have. Now I look back and I say, man, wasn't that awesome? And there's a, there's a tinge of sadness because it's like I never really experienced it Because I was always so afraid. Afraid of this. Afraid of that. And, and if we allow fear to grip our lives, when we look back in life, what should be those greatest moments will be lost. See, if I go to work every day scared that I'm going to lose my job, I won't be thankful in the first place that I have a job or be fulfilling what God wants me to do while I'm at that job. I need to be thankful for what God has given me. If I'm always scared that my kid isn't going to turn out right, I'm not going to enjoy the present moment that I have with him right now and that love that can be shown, and the grace that can be shown. I'll never enjoy the moment right now because I'm just so scared. I'm so scared about my marriage. I'm I'm not going to enjoy the the spouse that God has given me. Or I'm so afraid of of, of paying the bills, or I'm so afraid of going to school. I'm so afraid. I'm never going to enjoy the moment God has given me. And when I look back and realize, boy, it was really a good time, I will have missed that time because I live in fear. God wants us to live, as as Mark said, in love, in thankfulness, in abundant life. And you can say, yeah, but it is a different world since 9-11. It is hard. I've lost my job. All these things have come crashing in around me. Well, let's go to Psalm 30, verse 5. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping, weeping. May last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, I want you to look at that verse, what the psalm writer says Weeping may last for the night. Are there times to weep? Yes. Are there times to grieve? Yes. Are there times where we are completely overwhelmed? Yes, there are. And, and what happens in our life is a lot of times this fear and those bad times, we zoom in on the bad. We zoom in on the weeping. We say, oh, man, I'm, I'm weeping through the night. But then if you zoom back out, joy comes in the morning. There's something better that's coming. If you zoom in on fear, if you zoom in on the bad things, that is all you'll see. But God says, I want you to zoom out. Because I'm here to tell you today that fear does not come from God. He does not want you to be afraid. In fact, he commands us over and over and over again in Scripture. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is Isaiah 41.10. I remember as a little boy learning this with my grandma. And she taught me this verse. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my victorious right hand. God says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I love the video of the cross. There's actually an entire movie about that, that God says, look, I'm with you, even in the deepest, darkest pit. I'm with you. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never, ever, ever leave you. I will never forsake you. He tells us in his word that, that his plans for us are good, Jeremiah 29, 11. And if they're not good right now, that's okay because Romans 8, 28 says, I'm going to make all things, I'm going to work all things together for your good. See, we have to take our eyes off just that moment of weeping where we're afraid and zoom out and see God is with us. God commands us to be strong and courageous. In Joshua chapter 1, when Joshua has the enormous task of taking the the people into the promised land, God says, I want you to be strong and courageous. Over four times in the last time, he says, Joshua, I want you to be strong and very Courageous. God commands us in the scriptures not to fear, but I love 2 Timothy 1.7. And that's where we're driving to today. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. See, God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. He says, don't be afraid. I haven't given you spirit, but I've given you power, love, sound mind. And we need to live our lives in love. How would our lives change if I live with that dynamic, with that in the forefront of my mind? Not fear, but love. The power of the Holy Spirit. That sound mind, that self-discipline that does not allow fear to control you, but rather the power of the Holy Spirit. God says, don't be Afraid. 1 John 4 18 says, Perfect love casts out all fear. We need the love of God in our life and overflowing in our life so that we, we won't be afraid, that we will be strong. Don't let fear control you because fear will keep you from the life God has called you to live. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable of the talents. We all know what happened to the last steward of those talents. It says he was afraid, and so he buried them. When we get afraid, we will never become what God called us to do. Fear will keep you from doing what you're called to do. You will never, ever win. And even if you end up winning somehow, you will have not enjoyed the process of getting there because you were afraid the whole time. Fear does not come from God. It is displeasing to God. So be strong today. Don't be afraid. Live a risky life for God and for his glory and be the men and women of God you're called to be. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning as Leanne comes, and I want us to pray not only for ourselves that we would not be afraid. But we're going to take some time here at the end of the service to pray for our nation as well. And so as we move into an attitude of prayer, I want us to hold on to what God is saying. From the very beginning of our service, through the worship, we have learned about how awesome and great God is, that he is stronger, that he is able We've been challenged through video presentations, challenged through Officer Beck told as he shared with us about not running away but having the courage to run into the battle. We've looked at God's word and, and we are not to be controlled by fear but instead to live a life, an abundant life of love. I want us as we pray today to surrender our fears to God. And that if we are living in that fear, that we would zoom out from that fear and realize that God is with us and that his plans for us are good. I want us to pray together for strength. I want us to release those fears to God today in prayer. I was going to wait to do this, but I feel an overwhelming need to do this right now, so I'm just going to be obedient to the prompting. Just as September 11th was a wake-up call for so many in New York, for so many in our nation, I want this 10th anniversary to be a wake-up call to us. And I just want to get this out there. If you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I want you to surrender your life to him today. Jesus died on a cross for our sins. Our sin is what separates us from God. And he died on a cross to take the penalty for our sins. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. You will not be able to make it through this life without God. You might make it through. But there will be no abundant life. There will be no hope for eternity. And so today I want you to surrender your life to God. And if you are willing and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, and you just know this is what you need to do, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And everyone that wants to rededicate their life to the Lord, would you repeat this prayer as well? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you, to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying that prayer today. And I want to pray for you and pray for our nation, but just as Leanne plays quietly, I'm just going to give you a minute before I pray for you to pray just in a quiet time of meditation of all that's been spoken today. And in this moment of prayer, would you surrender your fears to the Lord and ask him for strength and courage for your life. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. But it's also okay to zoom out from that and to realize that God is with you. So talk to him for a few minutes together. Lord, in this moment, we surrender to you. We surrender our fear, our doubt, our anxiety. God, there's nothing we can do but look to you. So we zoom out from our weeping to get the big picture, to see you with us. To see that you will never leave us, that you'll never forsake us, that even in the darkest moment, you are with us, and that you are working all things together for our good. And Lord, as we wait for your hand to rescue us, as we wait for that day that we see you face to face, I pray that you would give us strength and courage for today. God, that you would give us the abundant life you promise in your word. May we look to you and nowhere else all that we need. God, I thank you for showing us your love. God, I thank you for your word that tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And so God, today we remember you. We remember your love. May you fill us overflowing with your love that it spills out at our schools, at our workplaces, in our homes, in our relationships, God. And may we make the most of every opportunity, not living scared at work or at home, but living for you and enjoying the moment that we have. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray for our nation? Lord Jesus, today as the church, we pray for the United States of America. God, we thank you that you have blessed our nation. From the very beginning, your hand was upon us, and we thank you for that blessing. And so, God, today we come very humbly before you because we know that we have sinned. God, we know that we have drifted. But God, we declare in our prayers today as citizens of our nation and citizens of heaven that we are one nation under God. And we ask for your blessing to rest upon our nation that you would forgive our sins, that you would restore righteousness, that you would turn the hearts of the men and women of our nation, of the young people of our nation to you, that you would send revival, God, that you would awaken us with the power of the Holy Spirit, and God, that you would turn our nation back to you, that we would find ourselves not standing and shouting, but on our knees crying out to you. Lord, we pray for that today. Lord, as the church, we pray for our leaders that are ordained by you to lead our nation. God, we pray for them today. God, we pray that you would give them wisdom and humility. God, we pray that they would be men and women that seek your face. God, when they don't know what to do and all the problems that we have as a nation, may they turn from good ideas and go in prayer to you. Because, God, we need you. So, Lord, we pray for our leaders, that they would come to you. Lord, we pray for our nation, and we ask for protection. God, we pray that you would keep us safe as a nation, that what the enemy would try to do to destroy our nation, God, you would bring it to nothing. God, we believe that you can, through your angels, protect our nation. And, God, we don't depend on a strong military. We depend on you. And so, Lord, as the church today, we say, may it be uh, here on earth as it is in heaven, God. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would return your blessing, your favor, and send revival to our nation, God. We pray that as the church. Forgive us, Lord, for letting everyone else run our nation and the church went quiet and we forgot to pray. Lord, we pick up that mantle and we pray for our nation today. And Lord, we ask you to once again bless America. May God bless Make that the prayer this week of your life. May God bless America. When you pray for yourself, when you go to the Lord in prayer, pray for our nation. We can't stop doing that. And uh, and may we be a nation, one nation under God. And uh, I just thank you for being here today. And I just hope that you go and you live with strength, with courage. That we don't run away, but we run too the things that God has called us to, that we would run to the Lord and and look to him. If you gave your heart to Jesus Christ today, I want to to invite you just to come down and just take one of these packets here. There's a Bible in there, some information about following Jesus as as your Savior. Great stuff in that packet. It's free. Just take it. We want you to have that. And um, as you go today, if you need to spend a little more time with the Lord, I encourage you just to to stay in here for a while and and meditate and be with the Lord. Um, As you leave today, there are so many sign-ups in the lobby. Like I said, our picnics are coming up, the webcasts, the the life class, men's, women's, so many things out there. Uh, Please don't leave without signing up where you belong and where you're a part of our church. If you need special prayer, I'll be down front. But don't you dare leave today without fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters in Christ because those are the people that God has placed in your life to encourage you, to pray for you, and to keep you strong. We receive the blessing of the Lord today. We're going to pray this over us and our nation. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile on you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon each one of us, everyone that is watching online, upon our entire nation, God, I thank you for your blessing. God, we pray today that it remains, that we remain in your favor, remain in your blessing, and that, God, you will keep us safe and you will keep us strong until we can gather together again and worship you as a church. Once again, God, we pray, God bless America. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Go in the grace and the peace of the Lord this morning.